This week's episode brought to you by the playoffs starting this week because we haven't had enough hockey that matters lately. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. I'm Steve House, and you're locked into the Mile High Hockey Podcast for... I actually don't know what day tomorrow is. April 13th, 2015. Uh, coming up on the show, we're going to give a little bit of a postmortem um, from the 2014-2015 season, and we're going to look ahead to the playoffs a little bit, see what we're excited for. But before we play the whoosh, let's introduce a pretty big panel today. Uh, joining us is Cheryl Bradley. How are you, Cheryl? Hi. Uh, you always robot when we say hello. Hello. <laughs> also joining us is AJ. How are you, AJ? Hi to you, sir. And also, also, also joining us is Andy Durow. Good, good day to you, Hello. Andy. Hi, hi, I'm the, here. <laughs> we actually went so long the intro ended. Nice. So here we are. The season is over. Uh, the team played three games that uh, didn't really matter to them the past week, uh, and won all of them, like you do. Starting on Tuesday with a 2-3 victory over the Nashville Predators. And then on Thursday with a 1-0 shootout victory over the Winnipeg Jets. The rare double shutout. Which means, of course, that was Red O'Bara because that's logic. (laughs) And finally closing up on Saturday against the Blackhawks B team with a 3-2 victory with about 30 seconds left. And we were about half an inch away from Joe McGinley hat trick and 30 goals. Oh, so close. I was so mad. If you had to win that game, then you had to get Joe McGinley 30 goals. That was really the only only acceptable way that that could happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then we did one without the other, and it resulted in a lot of anger on my part. Not just your part. There was a, a lot of... Uh, explosions in the distance on Twitter last night. Well, I mean, great for the Avs for finishing strong. I mean, there's something to be said about not giving up and continuing to play hard. All of that. But if we had lost last night, we would have been picking eighth overall. And in this draft from everything I've read from the people who still know more than me on this matter, um, the top nine is really where you want to be in 2015 and if we had lost you know if somebody had won the lotto from behind us we would have still been guaranteed at least ninth overall if we had lost last night Mm. but of course you know chicago decided to not guard jerome mcginla on the power play because he is the only person that we have that actually scores on those things anymore so (laughs) ah gosh i mean I was conflicted about the win because fan appreciation night, that's all great. But for the long-term stability and health of the prospect system and team and the overall goal of winning the Stanley Cup, last night was a pretty big loss. I just can't get behind any of that. I'm sorry. (laughs) I just can't. I mean, I know that there – I mean, AJ and I had a – long conversation about it last night when we were sober and um for those 10 minutes yeah and i you know when i I get the whole yeah we need to to draft higher and blah 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 i would have been pissed if this team completely mailed it in at the end i have so much respect for them that they did finish out strong, that they did win those games, that they took those games seriously. I think that that spells out more for long-term success than a draft pick does. Because if that team would have just been like, well, fuck it. Well, it's just, you know, the, the season's over. Who gives a shit? Let's go to Vegas. Let's plan our Vegas trip already. We're back into the Shane O'Brien days. And I'm not okay with that. I think that they showed... They have more ability to win by not giving up than getting a higher draft pick. I mean, I guess we're just disregarding that they got completely smoked in two of those games and great goaltending bailed them out. But they still didn't. They still tried, regardless of whether they got smoked or not. They won those games. They still put the effort in there. I mean, what's 
what how is that any different than the whole rest of the year having a lot of shots on net that, that's not any different than they've had before i just i don't know i know i'm in the total minority here probably the only person in all of Baz nation that they're not and i'm totally i'm totally okay with them picking higher in the draft by not giving up i i just i'm so passionate about that i would have been pissed if they had just mailed it in would have been mad well, I didn't want them to mail it in, but if they had just found a way to lose one of the games that they were outshot by like a bazillion, fucking you know, Red Obera has a forty-one save shutout. Yeah, exactly. Right. It's, I mean, we got I mean, our asses pretty well handed to us <clears throat> games, and it was basically just luck. A lot of it that we won. Yeah. I mean, I didn't want to see them giving up, but if you actually look at those games, you can't argue that we gave it our all and were really truly the, the best team on the ice. We I tried. Said, Andy, I never said best team on the ice. Yeah, I that's. Said that. Yeah. I, I, I absolutely don't. I'm not going there. I'm not <clears> saying <throat> that. I'm saying I'm glad they won those games rather than being all in the bandwagon. Uh, please lose. So we get a higher draft pick. I, I will not ever be that person. Three of, their, three of their last four games were just not very impressive showings. And of course we, you know, we win, we win two of those. We have a 10 shot performance in LA. That was just downright embarrassing. At least we didn't have to sit through that shit again, but <clears throat> gave up 40 plus shots in two games in a row. So it was just, I think that's, that's why it was so conflicting for me is that we didn't play well in those games and we still found ways to win. And last year when we were, you know, when we were just riding along merrily, that was, that was fine because we were, we were just banking points, but this year it was just like, it was like, God damn it. Like we don't deserve to win these games and we found ways to win. And so it's going to be a, it's going to be a result is greater than the process argument all over again. And it was just like, had we just found a way to lose like one of them, it would have been, it was really just a Winnipeg game. Yeah. Damn that game. I mean, Damn that game. if they lose that game in the shut in the shootout, then based yep. on ROWs, they jump two spots. Yep. If we if if Red O'Bara had just been Red O'Bara for five minutes in that game, yeah. Mm-hmm. But it is what it is. I wasn't I wasn't really actively rooting for them to lose any of those games, but it was kind of a if they lose, I really I'm not really gonna mind this happening. But uh, I don't know. They just weren't. They they weren't overly impressive. I mean, the game yesterday we were we were hanging in with Chicago's B team with with our with our normal roster out there, and it's just it's like okay, it's kind of eye rolly, I guess. But at the end of the you know it is what it is. I'm not I'm not gonna throw a huge fit about our team winning games. I mean that's why we're a fan of the damn team in the first place is to win games. Well, even. The, even Nathan McKinnon draft season, when they when we were you know deep in the throes of tank nation, I still wanted them to win each individual game. I wanted them to, in general, lose a lot of games as a general notion, but each individual game, I'm rooting for the Avs to win. Yeah, I mean that's 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 what you do as a fan. I that's was all. rooting for try hard. That's what I really root for. Anytime I'm watching the Avs, I mean, win or lose, as long as. The guys go out there, they try actively to win. You know, sometimes it's going to go our way, sometimes it's not. Um, in the past few years, the amount of skill we have on our roster has led to a lot of losses. But the only time I really get pissed at this team is when they just give up. Um, and that's why the Vegas season angered me so much, is because that's not okay. I even if you're going to lose, I want you going out there acting professional, looking for a way to win. Um, so I'm not angry at the abs and the way that they played in these past few games. It wasn't great. We got lucky bounces. Um, and they tried hard. So, yay. Yeah. But, you know, looking at long term, yeah, I am a little angry that this season that has just been so frustrating and, yeah. you know, so... Ah, and it comes down to, oh, hey, well, out of this milk fest, um, we can get a top 10 pick. 
you know, eighth overall. That that's pretty good. You know, might as well cut our losses, get the pick, and move on to happier days. And what do we do? Frustratingly yeah. enough, we managed to mess that up too. So I, I think it just was a culmination of the overall frustration I have with this roster this year and the team and, and the front office and just everything surrounding the abs. Um, so I think that my reaction on Twitter last night, because I was definitely one of the ones that was a little bit peeved, um, was more a general season build up the <laughs> general angst that uh all got released over this one last frustrating move that this team managed to pull off i think i think the the frustration lasted up i mean like right until the very end too because you're talking about the difference between where where we sit now in terms of draft pick and where we could have been is one point and in our last seven games we played four playoff teams and three non-playoff teams and we lost to the non-playoff teams and beat all the playoff teams and it's like real like one point and those four playoff teams that we beat one point is what made that difference and it was like <sighs> all right mm-hmm. that goes back a couple of weeks actually if you go so. if you go all the way back to March twenty third, there's a loss to the Flames and a win to the, over the Sabers, and otherwise they beat all the playoff teams and lost to all the non playoff teams. Yeah, yeah, because we beat the Canucks. <laughs> this team is so stupid. Yeah, it's a frust. It's <laughs> last night, uh, Mark Andre Cleish took a shot that went off a skate and went straight up in the air and landed behind him. That's. <laughs> I, That's so clear. I, I said, I said on Twitter, Mark Andre Cleach with an open cage manages to take a shot backwards, and I got four or five responses that all said that is a perfect example of the AV season. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I remember that shot. I was yelling at him. I told him he sucked. <laughs> I was just like, I was so confused. I was, I actually had to go back and watch it again. I was like, how did you just shoot behind you? That's amazing. <laughs> But I don't know, it went off of something and went straight up and landed behind him. It was, you couldn't do that on purpose. But as we look back at the, uh, at the season as a whole, I don't know how long we want to spend, you know, harping on things that we've been over and over and over. Um, but I think it's pretty clear that the team doomed itself by getting off to one of the worst starts in recent memory. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And but, I think they yeah, quit too. You know, even even with this with the slow start, dude, it really. I don't. There was there was a time in in what was it February where we went to Minnesota and Winnipeg in back to back games. Maybe it was January. I don't remember, but I know we went to we went to Minnesota and we went to Winnipeg, and that was, that was a big deal for us. That we were still in it. Yeah, it was the first week of February. We were we were like something like two points back, three points back out of the wild card right then. And then when we lost to those two teams after that, it was kind of just despair. And from then on, it was like we were we were in that like 5% chance to make the playoff bubble the rest of the season. But even with the slow start, we were still – we still clawed our way back into the into relevancy and then, you know, couldn't do anything with it. But that's just part of that frustration. That's the point, though. They like they slowly and steadily fought their way back in. They won several games at the end of the season to keep them, you know, to keep themselves having decent feels, I guess. But because they were so far behind and had so much of a hole to dig out of, it really didn't matter. Yeah, I mean, when you get mathematically eliminated with four games to go, that means you were realistically out of it two or three weeks ago. And a lot of us, myself included, felt like they were realistically out of it as early as November. Just because yeah, it was such a hole. It was, I mean, it's a deep hole, but, I mean, the Avs, the Avs climbed out of it. I mean, in early February, they were they're three points out. So, I don't, I, don't, I don't feel like they were out of it that early. I think this is a good example of that just not really being that true. Because they were, they were in it. And had we not turned around, I mean, 
beginning of February, that week that I'm talking about, you lose three nothing to the Red Wings, one nothing to the Wild, five to three to the Jets, and six to three to the Rangers. Yeah, that's a tough schedule, but you got to beat tough teams. So I think that more than anything was indicative of our season that we were able to we were able to take advantage of a soft soft sections of our schedule throughout you know the the chances that we were given and then when we had to play the tough teams consistently it didn't particularly go that well until the very final week of the season when all that good luck decided to to show up on our doorstep i've actually been doing a lot of research on how much um being in the central division has impacted the abs and just the general impact across all seven teams and Something that I came across that I found really interesting that I'm spoiling for the article I'm writing right now um, is that so the Avs finished with 90 points. If you look at their non-division games and you project out that pace across an 82-game season, they would have ended up with 91 points against non-central teams. If you look at just central teams, um, they would have ended up with 87 points across um 82 games just playing the other um, central teams so for the abs it was really interesting that the central division didn't have much impact on how they ended up finishing they they lost plenty of games outside of the division as well um and they were the only team that was actually pretty consistent inside and outside of the division so I mean, yeah, it was the tough teams, and it was the tough teams across the league. It, we didn't take opportunities from some of the weaker teams out there as well, especially outside of our division. Lost to the Oilers twice in a week. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we we dropped a lot of games that we probably should have won outside of the division. So I think that that's one area that the team needs to concentrate on um improvements are just needed across the board but if we can up our non-divisional record that would be a huge help yeah you have to take advantage of the weaker pacific division the only central team with a losing record against that division and since that's the division you're playing the second most in the season you should probably have a better record but you know we we actually had a pretty similar record in division to, to Chicago, but they smoked the Pacific and we didn't. Mm-hmm. It's funny, Dallas was actually the runt of... Yeah, they got beat up by the Central. If you uh, project their pace out over 82 games, they ended up with 68 points, which is the same as the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah. Yikes. So, yeah, they, they were definitely the runt of the division. It turns out that if your defense isn't very good, then you're going to have trouble in the central. And yeah. it turns out that if you don't have ridiculous goaltending to back it up, then you are fucked. Yeah. In the central. To the tune of 90 points. Yeah, to the tune of 90 points. But if it's against central teams is what I'm saying. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. if, if Dallas is down in the mid-60s, what happens when you give up a lot of shots with not very good goaltending? Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're a good. They're a good reminder of what we could be if we didn't have Varley. Dallas, we, we do. So suck it. Beat shit, Dallas. Uh, Dallas's record outside of the division, though, they were on pace for 106 points. So, I found that to be pretty interesting. You know, they feasted on the Metropolitan Division. Mm-hmm. I mean, they had a losing record against the Atlantic, but they went 12-3-1 versus the Metropolitan. So that's that's why they're on that pace is because they tore apart that division. Just so random. Like, <laughs> yeah. You have a losing record against the Atlantic, and then you know the Atlantic, which has Toronto and Buffalo – but you rip apart the division with the Rangers, Washington Islanders, and Penguins, and it's like, okay. That's weird. So as we look back at October, and we notice that the team had 
eight points in the month of October. <laughs> oh my god. The, the one game that stands out as having the most playoff implications, as you can expect from a divisional last place team, isn't our own playoff implications. It's the Boston Bruins. Yes. Yep. The Boston yes. Bruins missed the playoffs by, was it one point or two? Two. And how many seconds were left when Danny Briere scored that goal? Like I think it was I think it was like one point something or maybe just under one second. Every but, game matters. Yeah, exactly. On October thirteenth, on an afternoon start because it's a holiday that half of the half of the continent doesn't even know exists. <laughs> yeah. So true. But eight points in October was rough, and then November wasn't a lot better. You've got to make points, and when you don't do that, then the losing streaks later on really, really hurt even worse. Yep. I'm of the opinion that, yeah, we did crawl our way back into it, go us, but you can lose the playoffs in October and November. I mean, you can take yourself out of that race, essentially, and um, you can't make the playoffs during those months, but we put ourselves in such a terrible situation that I mean congrats to the guys for getting close again but I hope that they come in next year understanding that you know this is the NHL and what we had happen in 13-14 is not normal Uh, they can't sit back and just expect you know pulling that pulling the goalie and having six men on the ice and getting out shot every night is just magically going to work for them consistently. Um, so I, I'm just hoping that they come into camp with a chip on their shoulder and actually start the season with a bit more gumption that they should. <sighs> you missed an opportunity to say on time. Damn it, Andy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah sorry. sorry. My capitalisms <laughs> are lacking today. I, I apologize. So before we uh, shift our attention to the playoffs starting next week, let's turn to a couple of questions I got on Twitter. First up from Ryan at Ryanair225. Ryanair225. Which, 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 which player's performance on the Avs this year surprised you the most? Good question. See, that's what I thought. That was a great question. Thank you, Ryan. For me, it's Everberg. I didn't expect oh, anything out of Everberg. And that's a good Damn it. This is the problem when you let other people answer first. They get it right. Uh-huh. <laughs> um. I am actually going to say um, a tie between Barry and Johnson. Uh, because we knew that they were going to come in and have a pretty decent season, or at least we hoped, but... I really feel like both of them took a a big step forward this year, um, and I hope it feeds into the future. Those are the two that um, I was really pleased with. Yeah, if you told me to start the season that Tyson Berry was going to have 53 points, I would have called you insane. Oh, really? 53 points is a lot of points for a defenseman. I don't think I would have called anybody insane. I, I thought last year... You know, he, he put up, what, like 40 points in two-thirds of a season? I thought I thought it was perfectly reasonable that he went up to 53. Had he broken, you know, had he started going like 60 and beyond, that would have been like, whoa. But I think what really stood out for Barry was that he did so much of his damage at even strength. Uh, I was actually looking at this at like 4 o'clock this morning because that's my life, but... Um, Barry, if you actually look at like the top 10 scoring defensemen, even the top 20 or 30 scoring defensemen, he's really an even strength monster. A lot of those guys, uh, like, like Carlson finished with like 66 points and 30 of them were on the power play and Barry only had 16 power play points for a 53 point defenseman. That's damn, that's awesome. Now imagine if the avalanche power play hadn't been dog shit. Uh, but my answer is my answer is not Tyson Berry. My answer is Calvin Pickard. Damn it, that was my answer. 
<laughs> Fuck all y'all. And I don't think that really needs any explanation. Calvin Pickett. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I will also. Can I Can I just have a tie between Everberg and Picker? Because I think they both were. They were both awesome kind of out of nowhere. See, I did. For me, Picks wasn't out of nowhere at all. It's just like Hishin and the way he ended the season, that wasn't out of nowhere for me. Same thing with Barry. I fully expected that. Um, but I had no expectations about Everberg. So really, anything that he did would have been better than my expectations. But, <laughs> I mean, he just – I. I'm still so impressed with, with the things he did. Now he may not have been the most prolific scorer or anything, but the way he, he drove possession, the way he handled himself out there, I just, it was impressive. Do you have anybody whose performance surprised you in a negative way? Um, I'd have to think about that. Um, I think I'll say Nick Holden. Okay. Yeah, that's a good one. Because, I mean, I didn't expect him to be the, the, the kind of point guy that he was last year. So that he went from a 28-point 28, 28 season. No, he had 22 points last year. Or 25 points, I'm sorry. So he had 25 points last year and 14 points this year. That's... The drop-off wasn't really that surprising to me. You know, he he went from 10 goals to 5 goals. Also not that surprising. But just how bad he was defensively for so much of the year was really... That caught me off guard. I thought he looked pretty good coming into the season. I thought he looked solid in camp. And I I don't know. I thought he was... I, I felt good about his extension when we did it last summer. And... Now I can't can't really say that I do. It pales in comparison to something like the Brad Stewart one, just because it's like a third of the cost. But that's I just don't. I, I think he kind of he he surprised me a little bit with him being as 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 bad as he was for a lot of the season. And I know playing with Brad Stewart is going to hurt a lot of his advanced stats, but still, they weren't that great without him either. I'm going to go out on a limb and actually say Duchesne. I mean, I know a lot of that was his meh line mates and, you know, just not having somebody that he jives with. But uh, this wasn't a great season for him overall. Um, he might not have been put in the best success or uh, position to succeed. But, uh, yeah, it, it's. I hope he comes back stronger and things work out better for him next year. That was the one that disappointed me. Yeah, I think I, I have to go with Briere. Okay. I expect, yeah, I, I expected more out of Briere. I, I, I don't know that he necessarily got um, I wouldn't say fair shot. I think that he was better than he was being played. Yeah, um, but in in general, and I don't just mean disappointed in the way that he played. I mean just disappointed in the whole season. Disappointed for him. Um, I, I yeah, that's where I would go. Come on, since you stole Holden. Yeah. <laughs> I like all those answers. I think Briere's is probably the least that in within his control of the three. Yeah, right. that's, um, that's definitely that's definitely yeah. fair. Yeah, and that's and uh, yeah, and I'm not. That's that's why I was saying it. Not it's not necessarily so much about how he played, just yeah. about the the whole situation. Yeah. Um, not necessarily disappointed in Danny B, but disappointed right. about Danny B. That yeah, yeah that's a great way yeah. to put it. Mm-hmm. And then I, yeah, yeah, Nick Holden's a strong answer. Although I, I kind of expected him to fall off about as hard as he did. A lot of people didn't, and that made me think I was probably wrong because my eye for defense is terrible, but. Hey, every once in a while you get one right by mistake, so there you go. It was definitely his defensive game that that, that surprised me because the offense was never going to go back to yeah. that level. Yeah. And Matt Duchesne also not entirely within his control when he's getting played with Cody McLeod and Max Talbot all the time. Mm-hmm. What's weird, though, is he also played with Jerome McGinley, who right. was, ended up as the team's leading scorer. Right. So it's like... It's it's weird that Duchesne's assists were what were so down for him this year, but he played with the team's leading goal scorer. 
Like, how does that? That's that's kind of a weird. Like, how does that jive? But then you watch, you watch how like Iggy has been scoring some of his power play goals lately. Like the second one he scored last night was from like Tange and Landy or something. They they don't play together on the power play, and that's where Iggy did so much of his damage later in in the season. It could also be that Duchesne was pulling, you know, pulling the the defense towards him to open up again. I mean, I, I don't know that that's, that that's what happened, but that could be an explanation as to how his assists are down, but playing on a line with Iggy and Iggy is scoring like that. Well, he well, didn't spend the whole season with Aginla. I think it's important to remember that. He, right. Like the, mm-hmm. the, the line with Aginla kind of came about, if I, if I remember right, sometime in December-ish. He was his most frequent line mate throughout the course of the year. So It was, but it that's because so many of the lines juggled so much. Oh yeah, they did. They were they were a mess. The well, first the two months thing, of the season were a mess. The other thing with Duchesne is that he is so used to looking to his left side. I mean, you look at all of the guys like Fleischman, Mueller, Parento, O'Reilly. All of them, for the most part, played on his left. And um, I got the sense that he was looking to his left more. Uh, just because he's not used to having a good right wing. Mueller and Parento were both right wingers. Uh, I guess you're right, but... Yeah, because they, PA played, and he played uh, with O'Reilly and with McGinn while he was here. Yeah. PA, PA was his right winger, like, almost exclusively during his time in Denver. Oh, until, I guess you're right. Until Patty Wash showed up and decided he didn't like PA. Yeah. Well, I don't know, it's just... It's weird. You look at Duchesne, and he just needs somebody that he has chemistry with. He is not the guy that drives possession and is going to make everybody on the team better when he skates with them. I mean, that's just not who Duchesne is. If you're expecting him to be that, you're going to be disappointed. But if you get him somebody that he works with, he's going to put up a ton of points. And he... Didn't really have that this year. He worked okay with Aginla, but there wasn't that normal spark um, that he's had in the past when he's had his really good years. So I think that that's one of the priorities this offseason is looking at someone, you know, maybe a free agent, maybe a, a trade, I don't know, but someone to put with Duchesne that he might have better chemistry with. Because if you put McGinn with him and again next year, you're you're not going to see much more from Matt Duchesne. I think McGinn would help a lot more than John Mitchell or Cody McLeod or Max Talbot did. I'll agree with that, but you're still not going to see you know 70, 80 point Matt Duchesne show up if he's got McGinn on his wing. That's fair. Um, I've got another surprise that you guys might be interested in. On the Avalanche website, when you drop down the stats on the site, it lists two goaltenders. They are Simeon Varlamov and Calvin Pickard. Yeah. Where's Red O'Bara? Red O'Bara, you know, his his numbers aren't as good. They have the two most prolific statistical goaltenders listed. Yeah. Red O's just this guy, you know. But Red O's numbers finished pretty solid. I mean, the last the last week of the season, the last two weeks of the season, did good things for his season-long numbers. Yeah, because he played so little. Yeah, he ended up with, an, I think, a 918 save percentage, which, had you told me that was going to be it before the year, I would have been in totally 100%. I never would have expected it would have gotten there the way that it did, but 918, considering what we thought that guy was going to be? Right. Oof. That's another one where you're just like, you're nuts, dude. No. And did he that, play three yeah, games? That, that was definitely, like, I Cole, Cole and I talked about this a few days ago, and he made a good point when he said, yeah. All those relief appearances that he made, he made something like eight relief appearances this season yeah. where he he potted like an easy like 10 or 15 saves and blowouts definitely helped him out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's going to be interesting what happens at camp next year. Yeah, I'm excited. For the first time in a long time, I'm excited for an actual goaltender battle at training camp. Right? Yeah. Um. Let's move on to our next question. This one's from Matt Zaro um, at ZaroM1992 on Twitter. He asks, if they played like this at the start of the season, would they be in the playoffs? Um, This is something that we keep seeing come up 
in online discussions over and over and over. No. I agree. Hmm. I would have said yes, but barely uh, wild card. I think if they had done a little bit better at the beginning of the season, banked a few more points, I think we would have gotten closer at least. Yeah, sure, you would have gotten closer. But the question is, had we played in the last month like we did, or had we played in the first month like we did in the last month, you know, had that had that been our entire season, would we be in? I would still say no. And well, I... even if, if, if it was in the playoffs, it would not be by much. And this is results versus process. I mean, you're talking about if they have the same results, well, maybe, exactly. yeah. But if, you're, if you play yeah. this way, you see the exact same result. Right. The, you, you cannot have 10-shot performances. That's not okay. No. Right. Getting outshot by 44 over two games against playoff teams at home and then still some, some somehow giving up two goals in those games, like combined in those 80-some-odd shots that they had. Yeah, no. That's that's not something you can rely on and say this is this is going to happen consistently. I mean, yeah, Varley is great, and you can rely on him being great most of the time. But Varley's also human, so he's gonna have those stretches where he plays like, you know, maybe around nine hundred, maybe sub nine hundred, nine ten for a game or two, couple of games. And when you're getting severely outshot, you you can't you can't have that. You need somebody that's gonna be. You need nine thirty goaltending every night, right, Montreal? Speaking of which, yep. let's uh, let's toot AJ's horn a little bit on that one. Hey, what'd you say Simeon Varlamov's save percentage was gonna be this year? What you think he was going to regress to? I thought he was going to be right in that 920 to 923 area. Guess where he so. finished up? Nine twenty one. Yeah. Yeah. That's I bought into his greatness, but if you look at around the NHL, nine twenty one is really not that impressive this year. They had a whole bunch of guys had career years this year. Goal scoring is way down. You have one fifty goal season out of Alex Ovechkin. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. Steve Mason put up 928 and nobody's talking about it. Could be because he's Steve Mason. Exactly, though. That's my. That's <laughs> what I'm saying. Like, you would think that Steve Mason putting up 928 would be like, wow, Steve Mason was better than Tuka Rask this year. We're a little because... bit distracted by Andrew Hammond. Come on. But it's 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 crazy. Like, and then, you know, Cam Talbot, this backup out of nowhere, comes out and has a 930 season. Calvin Pickard put up 932. Like, whoa. There are some seriously inflated save percentages this year. Mm-hmm. So, there's that. Um, so, my follow-up question to that question is, what needs to change going into next year? Defense. Well, here's the thing. The defense isn't changing next year. Well, I, w- I think that it depends on what they do. I think it's going to take a trade. Or we just suck it up and we wait for Bigra, but that's going to be probably at least a season or two. And can we really afford to wait that long? Um, If we can find a way to sign somebody on the UFA market, that would be great. Um, Especially if it's what's his name, Sakira. Um, That would be great. Uh, But... We can't go into next season with this defense and expect a better result. Not so significantly if, so. Yeah. If we want to make the playoffs, if Patrick and Joe and everybody are committed to making the playoffs, they need to find some way to significantly upgrade the defense this season, this offseason. Period. I mean, I don't care what the cap says. I don't care who we have signed. They need to find a way to make it happen, or we're going to be having this conversation a year from today. The problem is making those roster moves happen. Because trades don't happen in a vacuum, and and the guys that we need to get off of our roster are not guys that teams are lining up to trade for. Well, no, but I mean, even if you send Ginnon down to the AHL next year, or Holden, or whoever, whatever. I mean, it's a one-way contract down there, not a great situation to be in, but if it helps the Avs win, you know, you bite the bullet, it's close to, you know, 
one mil or 1.5 mil and you have a little bit of recapture. It's not a huge deal. And if it's the difference between making the playoffs and not making the playoffs, I really hope that Sackick and Wah don't get caught up in this whole, oh, we can't do that mentality. Because if we don't do that, we're going to be sitting here out of the playoffs again. Okay, so can I can I present an alternate perspective to this? Because I know this is a this is a popular thing to talk about is sending guys down to the AHL. So say that say that you're Joe Sackick, right? You're the, you're this GM. Do you have Josh Kroenke's ear and his checkbook? And you go to him and you say, "Hey, I need. I know I just signed this guy recently to this contract, but we need to send him down to the AHL to play in the minors. You have to continue to pay him like he's an NHL player, but." <clears throat> he's no longer going to be part of our NHL plans. And now I need you in, I need you to authorize X amount of money to sign the next guy. What exactly is Josh Kroenke supposed to have faith in that we're not going to end up having to send the next guy down to the AHL as well? I mean, I see what you're saying. Like these, but... this, these are the conversations that as fans we aren't privy to, that we don't know how they go. But as a GM, you have to worry about things like that. You may not get a yes from the guy if you say, hey, you go to your owner and you say, hey, I want to sign Sakara. I want to give him five and a half million over five years. He might he might be like, well, we already have, you know, I already gave you Brad Stewart. I've gave, I'm going to give you Jan Hayda again. I gave okay. you Nate Gannon. I gave you a Nick Holden extension that we didn't have to do. I gave you seven defenseman contracts already. Why do you need an eighth? And... That's- and how do we know that this eighth is going to be different from five how, of the other seven? Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So when when people talk about sending a guy down to the AHL, that's a very real conversation that you have to consider. Would I like to send Stewart and Gennon away from the Avalanche? Yeah, that'd be great. But it's, I mean, we're talking about trying to realistically improve the team next year. That's not realistic. Until, until the team actually shows any kind of sign that they're willing to make that kind of move, it's not a realistic thing to plan for. I mean, if if we all want to sit here on our Five Fingers GM chair and play like that, that's <laughs> one thing. But realistically, that's just not in the cards right now. And if you want to talk about realistically improving the team, it's going to be incremental. It's going to be largely from internal improvement. I do think the Avalanche are interested in bringing somebody in from the outside on the defense, but I think that's a, that's going to be about it. Outside of that, you might look for another Jesse Winchester signing, more forward depth. If the Andreas Martinson signing is actually eventually confirmed, which it hasn't been by anybody yet, mm-hmm. then that's you know that's just another sign that the Avalanche are trying to improve their their forward depth in their organiz- throughout the entire organization. I think that's where you're going to see the most the most moves is you're going to see it again with the minor league club and trying to get trying to get some of these overage guys like you know guys that are <clears throat> a little more physically mature who have played in some pro leagues in Europe it makes sense because that's you're getting replacement level talent for real cheap that's that's smart business and that's an underrated aspect of what Wakik have accomplished so far and i think that's what we should look for them to continue this offseason is they might bring in one you know semi big name big name to play bigger minutes in the defense, but it may not be a guy that we necessarily approve of. It might be another Brooks Orpic deal, but you want to talk about improving. It's you got to improve the forward depth in case you end up with nine guys on IR at the end of the year. Again, you have to improve your replacement level talent. You have to make sure that they're replacement level and they're not sub replacement level guys like Gannon and Cleish, you know, that's, that's where the, that's where the team the, the Avalanche had 650-point scores. Nobody else in the NHL did that. And that's with a depressed offensive season for the Avs. What they need is improved depth. Their their top guys have to carry the pail a little bit, little bit better next year, no doubt. I think they probably will, especially with the Im- improvement of McKinnon and Duchesne coming back. But when you talk about where can we realistically improve, having, having Jamie McGinn back, having – Dennis Everberg for a full season, having a handful of guys that could give you 20 points in your bottom six is going to be a lot better than just having John Mitchell. And that's exactly what Joe Sackick said when he talked with the Denver Post recently was 
injuries aren't an excuse, but they showed us how much we need to work on our forward depth. So I think that's a, a good expectation of what we'll see from the team in the offseason. <clears throat> um, what I was actually hoping to drive at was on-ice on ice adjustments, like how can the team play differently? Um, and from there we can look at what personnel are going to make that happen. But, um, but, but what we've had so far is really – not, not like I'm saying. That's not what I want to talk about. You know, that, that, that's it's a good discussion. It's on on ice stuff, man. That's you'd have to you'd have to give me more time to go back and specifically watch stuff and come up with an answer for you, because making making an on ice adjustment. It's when you talk about adjusting your on ice schemes and your and all that, dude. There's there's a lot of levers, and everybody thinks that the one lever is the magical one. What you have to do is you have to push a little bit on all of them. Instead of trying to adjust one of them a whole bunch, because it could cause adverse effects all over the place, it's it's not it's not so simple as oh well we should do this you know we need more movement on the power play the end you know I think they need on the power play they need confidence they need to believe that they're gonna score just what like, last night totally irrational belief that they were gonna score on the second power play it took them what like a minute blam Iggy scores. <laughs> blam. Iggy scores 30 seconds left. No problem. Like there was when we got that power play, I I felt good about it immediately because the team was looking good. The team felt like they were good. It was obvious they had that swagger. They had been producing scoring chances and they thought that they could score on that team. And then they went out and they scored on that team. Confidence and swagger, real weird things that you can't really account for statistically or schematically. And I think more than anything, that's where you'll see an improvement. <laughs> We've already seen that improvement on the power play, though. We've already seen them start to overload one side more often just this season. So it's uh, that that's one. It's just one incremental thing. Like you said, push all on all of them a little bit. There's one of them they've started pushing on a little bit. Yeah. Um, I'd like more guys to shoot on the power play. I mean, I know that is just a single lever, but having the confidence to shoot and not just pass it to Iginla you know, that's, I think, one of the things that we've been lacking is just shooting on the power play. In and general. More- <laughs> <laughs> I, would, I would agree. I mean, I there's, there's a lot of things that the team can do better on ice. I think there's, you know, they're, they're not a finished product. No. Hmm. And I, I think for next season, it starts with uh, exiting their own zone. Absolutely. <clears throat> you know, more than more than shooting, I think uh, shot suppression has really become more important in in what you would call today's NHL, I guess. Definitely. Because you look at a team like Chicago and they they shoot lights out, but I think you're going to see them struggle against good teams in the playoffs for the first time in a long time because their shot suppression is nowhere near as good as it has been in recent years. You know, if you. I don't know if any of you guys follow Jen LC on Twitter, but she does a lot of really great work that shows that shot suppression is really when you're talking about the 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 picture of of shots for and shots against, shot suppression is a lot more important than shots for. And if you don't follow Jen, then you probably should be. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. She's she does a lot of really great work. Um well, let's move to our final question, which comes from someone that you've probably never heard of before. Cole Hamilton, Cole DH underscore MHH. Oh. Uh, before seeing any of the team's offseason moves, do you think they finish higher than seventh in the Central next year? No. Before seeing any of the offseason moves, I agree. No. On paper, compared to on paper, the rest of the Central right now, we're saying no. No. I mean, no. It. If we don't get any chance to make improvements to our roster, no, no, we are we are the worst team in the Central right now. There, there's no question about that. I think it's real close between Dallas because our goaltending yep. is better, is much better. Our defense <laughs> is arguably right in the same boat. <clears throat> but they have one offensive line that is truly elite, and that can carry you a long way through a lot of games. If they can... They can continue to produce like they've produced. That can carry them to the borderline of contention for all time. And, I mean, this is without Nick Chushkin, too, who was injured most of the year. Who oh, yeah. just oh, had yeah. 
lights out season in thirteen fourteen. So they was get, okay. Oh, I, I think you put him with Ben and Sagan, and that line is going to produce even more than they have. Yeah, I mean he's a he's a big part of their team, but <clears throat> you know now he's missed his second year. I don't I don't think when he comes back healthy next year that you should expect him to totally blow up or anything. There's a guy who he scored 34 points in his rookie year, which is a respectable total, but expecting him to be their big difference maker, their big depth scoring improvement, he'll help, but I don't think he's the difference for them. I think I think they need a goaltender more than they need Nachushkin. This is very true. Yeah. Their goaltending situation is less than outstanding right now. Do we have an yeah. answer, do we have an answer from Cheryl on this one? Better than seventh the next year? I was the first one to say no. Oh. Well I didn't hear you, I guess. Yeah. Um, because I think sixth might be the cap, and I think that's very doable. Yeah. Based on the goaltending differences. I don't know that Kari Lettinen has another 903 season, though. Well, maybe not 903 bad, but he's certainly no Varlamov. Wouldn't disagree with that. Mm-mm. Oh, we actually did. We got. We did get one more question on Twitter. Oh, did we? Yeah. Yeah, it just came into the MHH account a few minutes ago. Okay, what we got? Um, <clears throat> uh, from Matt Zaro. Yeah. The guy that he sent us another question earlier. Uh, he asks, who is most likely to make the roster full-time next season? Chris Bigra, Mason Gertson, Connor Bleakley, or Joey Hishin? Joey Hishin. Yeah, Joey Hishin. Good. I think that Siemens would be an interesting name to add to that list. Uh, I would still say Hish. Yeah. But... Hishin's that runaway. Mm-hmm. The, the issue with that answer isn't which of those players are most likely to be NHL ready next season. It's which of those players has room on the roster in front of them. And if the team's trying to improve their depth forwards, that's Joey Hishin in a walk. Oh, dude. If Joey Hishin's not on the opening night roster next year, we're going to have a real problem. Not with like Ryan? A, a real problem. Because yeah, that's... Right. If we're making room for Patrick Bordalo and removing Joey Hishin... That's frustrating. That, that's welcome to the mid-80s right there. And that's no knock on Bordy. It's just Hishin belongs, damn it. And, yeah. So, anything else that we want to touch on before we uh, leave this season in the dust? Nah, fuck this season. Fuck this yeah. season. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Although, I will say that in the long run, this is probably the best season we could have had. Uh, it's a good learning experience. Exactly. I mean, I, I'm still of the opinion that, you know, Sackick and Waugh got a little bit too caught up in their own success last season. Um, I think it carried over into the players and some of the decisions that were made and the mindset that we approached the start of the season with. Um, it wasn't okay. It was results-based instead of process-based. And I I just hope that they take this for what it is, um, learn from it, try not to repeat those mistakes and hopefully start building for our future because this season, if nothing else has shown us exactly what is wrong with this team. Yeah. So let's move on into the playoffs, which start in a couple of days from when this goes online. I'm going to ask everybody real quickly who, are you rooting for this postseason? The Islanders. Yeah, I'm rooting for the Islanders because that'll bring me some money in Vegas. Woo! Sure, would I have a couple grand waiting for us if the Isles win that thing? <laughs> well, um, I mean, I just filled out my bracket. By the way, public announcement: um, there is a bracket challenge league. It's Mile High Ooh. Hockey. Password is Walkick. Um. So anybody wants to join, I actually did pick the Islanders to win as well. So go Island. Uh, not a few idea. Yeah, I'll be I'll be joining that one as soon as we're done here this afternoon. Well, I say that as after I also go cut the grass. But uh, I just joined while we were talking. Yeah, I'll I'll be joining later today. Um, I think my bandwagon teams would have been both the Islanders and the Capitals which is unfortunate. 
because they play each other in round one. <laughs> God damn it. So, I'm really stoked for that series. I think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Um, but my, I, I have two teams to choose from, and they are the Islanders and the Lightning. Yep, me too. Me too, yep. If, is there anybody in the West that you can stomach cheering for? My answer is no, fuck those guys. All of them. Uh, I mean, traditionally, I like the Hawks because they have good players, but I don't, I don't think they have what it takes. I mean, go Calgary, go Nashville, but I think that they're going to get knocked in the first round too. So, no, not, not really. I would say I'm not really rooting for anybody in the West, but, I mean, there are a few teams I don't think I would mind. So, that's not, I mean, they're not really the same thing, though. Right. Maybe like, the, the later that Vancouver goes before they get knocked, the bit, the funnier the meltdown, so that's a good option. Uh, I wouldn't, honestly, and I know I'll be on the minority of this, I, don't, I wouldn't mind if St. Louis won it. It's been a long time for their fan base. And... Oh, fuck those guys, though. Yeah. Their fan yeah. base, sure. Fuck that team. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't disagree with that, but I'd be, I'd be happy for Paulie if he got himself a cup. And well, you're in the minority there. Yeah, and that's fine, but I don't, I don't care about that. Yeah, I, I know you don't, but a lot of people do. That's all I'm saying. I think Paulie, at the end of the day, Paulie's a good dude, and he yeah. did what he, he wanted to do, and that he had every right to do what he, what he did. I think he could have been a little more honest about it, and that would have been awesome had he done that. But wow. whatever. That bash. If he wins a cup, I'll be happy for him. Yeah, I'm not someone all, who's gonna, all the same. I'm not someone who's going to be all <clears throat> anti-Stastny either. All, I've I've made a lot of anti-Stastny jokes on this show, but that's all they are is jokes. Yeah, and the other team that I'd be okay with is Nashville. Because they've been a model organization for years on how to succeed in a in a lesser market. They they do amazing work with their fans. They are really in touch with their community in a way that very few franchises are. I'm super jealous of them all the time. And they they build their team in a really intelligent way consistently. And I mean David Poyle's one of the one of the great hockey guys today. So I wouldn't mind seeing him seeing him get a cup either. I mean, sure it sucks to have a division rival win a cup or whatever, but there are some lesser evils. So we've got some poison that we don't feel terrible about picking, but not necessarily anybody that we're rooting for. Yeah, yeah I mean, the Islanders, Islanders, I'm all about rooting for, though. That's that's really the one team where I'm like, I'm going to be watching those games like they're Avs games. Right. So outside of that, though, and, and the Lightning, until they in, unless they play the Islanders. Which... Um... Is unlikely. Is unlikely, right? Because the first, the, the second round matchup, if the Lightning beat Detroit, would be against Montreal or Ottawa, right? Mm-hmm. So sure would. So that would be a an, an eventual conference final that I wouldn't be too upset about at all. I think I actually picked it that way, but uh, that may change. I think uh, I think a Rangers Lightning conference final would be awesome with the whole Marty St. Louis subplot. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I think that would and the the way those teams play I think that would be such a fun seven game series. Mm-hmm. It's just it's really hard to argue <laughs> against uh, the way the Islanders play either though they are the highest octane team still alive. Yep, they are ten tons of fun to watch. I mean, John Tavares is the man. To, yeah, JT is a boss. The, they the only team anywhere close to the Islanders' shot production is Chicago. And uh, they're the only two teams left with more than 60 shot attempts a game. Which I know because I've been working on a playoffs preview, which you can probably already read. Because this will come out tomorrow. Because this will come out tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) I love the playoffs, man. They're the best. The first round is outstanding. It's like the first weekend of March Madness for basketball fans. Nothing like it. Everything happens, and it doesn't stop happening. So, um, for the show over the summer, it's not going away. Um, it pro- it will definitely not be weekly because it gets hard to talk about things really fast. Um, you can expect episodes around events like the draft or like free agency. Um, you can expect them if Avalanche news happens or if anything really interesting around the league happens, but it's not going to be anything real regular. So stay tuned for announcements. We'll be letting you know when they happen. Um, but 
I don't think there's going to be a real schedule, at least not right now. Sound good? Sounds yep. good. Are we ready to shut her down? Because I'm good to go. I'm ready to shut her down, I think. Mm-hmm. So long 2014-15 season. May we never experience you again. Fuck this season. Yeah. Definitely fuck this season. What a mess from the beginning with everything that just refused to go right from the word go and then things that <clears throat> just even as we clawed our way back in they never got back to it but thanks to all of our listeners who have stuck with us all throughout the season and stuck with everyone who's been on the side all season i know it's not easy to be an active fan of a crap team but it's been worse before and it will yeah. be worse again but we'll get we'll get some good times pretty soon i think we're making some good moves but Thanks to everyone who joined me today, and thanks to all of you. We will see you soon. AJ, is that you eating? Mm hmm. That's gross. It's delicious, is what it is. I just woke up, yo. Yeah, but it's. Sounds gross. Oh, it's so delicious. <laughs> yeah, eating on mic is just about the worst. <clears throat> it sounds like Howler when he's licking on one of his bones. Oh, maybe that's what I'm doing. Maybe I took one of his bones. Phrasing. So wrong in so many ways. Oh, yeah. I walked up there a little while ago and was like, yo, can I borrow this? Is there yesterday's sauce uh, in your mouth wasn't enough? You know, that sausage was delicious.